So I have, a, I have a question for you. Do you like change? <laughs> change from what's been, change from what you've come to know, change from, I guess, we're no longer going to do the things we used to do. Change. Do you like change? One of my favorite presenters is Dr. <clears throat> Henry Cloud. And he is a follower of Jesus, but he's also a psychologist. And one of the things I remember him saying was that when it comes to change and approaching change and, and dealing with change, he said it's important for you to learn that you can learn. Learn that you can learn. Which may seem rather obvious, he says, but it's not. Learn that you can learn change, or how to deal with, with change. Because when you can learn, or if you can learn, that you can learn and how to do that, limits can often just kind of, kind of go away. When something presents you with change, you can say to yourself, hey, hey wait a minute. I, I have learned how to adapt when something new has come. I have learned how to do something different. I, I can learn. I, I, I can do this. I can, I can move forward with this. I can learn. There are resources available. There are sources. There is help that I know that I can kind of tap into. I can do this. And you don't have to be stuck. Change can be a good thing. And I know, yes, it's true, oftentimes it can be difficult, it can be hard, and historically, this has been often true for people of God's people in navigating change. It has often been true of that. God's people have often had a bit of trouble navigating change. And one of the places where you see this is in the book of Acts. The book of Acts, which is really a continuation of the story of Jesus, the gospel according to Luke that he tells. So it's believed that the same person who authored Luke and the Acts is the same person. And there's this incredible transition that is going on in the book of Acts. An incredible transition. Because for three years, day in and day out, the disciples were with Jesus wherever he went. They were always with him. They ate with him. They traveled with him. They laughed with him. They grieved with him. They listened to him teach. They went on boat rides together. They were along the, the shoreline and ate fish together. They were, they were always with him. And the disciples also went through this kind of emotional roller coaster because they saw him die on the cross. They were at his death. And then they saw him after the resurrection, which brought them incredible joy, just Incredible and wonderful joy. 
but for three years they had been physically in the presence of God. Three years. And when you open up in the beginning of the book of Acts, in the opening chapter, in the first like 10 or 11 verses, when you open that up, you understandably know that the disciples, they are on an incredible high because he had risen from the dead. They are excited. And we're told in those opening verses of chapter 1 that Jesus gives them some instructions. He gives them some final instructions that we're going to get to in a moment. But I want to show you something first and draw your attention to something first in verse 9. Acts 1, verse 9. And it says this. After he said this, so these final instructions... He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Talk about change. <laughs> I mean, for three years, 24-7, they were always with him, and now, gone, vanished, hidden from their sight. That's change. There had to have been shock and wonder and anxiety and uncertainty moving forward. They must have been like, like well, what are we going to do now? But Jesus' parting words of wisdom perhaps would have been a source of some comfort in that moment because he says this in verse 4. He says, whatever you do, do not, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait. Now that's a word we all like to hear, isn't it? Wait. Do you, do you like to wait? Being patient in times of waiting is not my strongest virtue. You know those times when you, you make those phone calls and you get connected and it's, you know, press one for this and press two for that and press three for this. And, and then when you do, there's often sometimes a message, we're sorry, we're experiencing a greater volume of calls right now. Would you please stay on the line and... Yeah, and, and wait for the next available agent. And you can wait and wait and wait and wait. You can, you, can, you can wait a long time, right? You can wait a long time. And I think probably my, <clears throat> my head and my shoulders probably slouch a little bit more with every passing minute, you know, when that takes. But waiting is a part of life. And sometimes I think that you and me, us followers of Jesus, we who followed you, if we know a little bit about Jesus and the kingdom of God, we can all too often perhaps just move ahead in taking next steps that we think are right, rather than maybe just pausing and waiting and seeking and praying for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit before we take those next steps. In the opening passage of Acts, do you remember 
why it is that Jesus asked his disciples to not go anywhere? Do you remember why he told them to sit tight and wait? Do you remember the reason? Yeah, the Spirit. In the opening chapter, listen to this. This is verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promised Holy Spirit. There was a little bit more dialogue between Jesus and his disciples, and then it was when he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud had hidden him from their sight. The ascension, or Jesus being taken up, being taken up in a way. It's not something that we in the church have really given much attention to, or really any kind of thought to. It's one of the most overlooked events that has ever taken place. The ascension. Jesus being taken up. And it occurred on a Thursday, 40 days after Easter. 40 days after. And normally it just kind of passes by without any notice by many Christians. I've heard of one church who celebrates what they call Ascension Day, or what might otherwise be called Holy Thursday. And the pastor, he would, he would invite the children, he would invite the children to come up to the front, and he would mark their forehead with a, with a cross, much like they had done on Ash Wednesday, only that was 40 days prior to Easter. So here we are on this occasion, only now this time it is 40 days after Easter, and he, he didn't give them a, a smudge of ash, like on Ash Wednesday, which would have reminded them back then, from dust you were made, and from dust you will return. In other words, it speaks of one's mortality and need for Jesus. On this occasion, he gave them a mark of the cross on their forehead with, was a, a glitter cross made of glitter which was to remind them of the wonder of the risen Christ who because of his ascension had marked all of his people with the promised Holy Spirit that he had talked about days earlier. On the actual day of ascension, however, at least for the disciples, it would have meant to them, not, not that he was being taken up in a way, you know, somewhere beyond the stars or beyond Mars or wherever it happens to be. It wasn't that. It was that he was going into God's space, God's dimension. The word heaven means God's space. That's what the word heaven means. Heaven isn't just this, this sort of this happy place where people go when, after they die. No, it's actually God's space. And Jesus had gone into God's dimension, which meant for him that he was actually being ascended to the throne of the universe. The throne of the universe. Look at what it says here in Ephesians 
chapter 1. And Jesus was seated at his Father's right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. The ascension means that Jesus was actually being enthroned as Israel's Messiah and therefore king of the world, king of the universe. He was controlling everything there for us. He was ruling everything there for the church, being that he was taken up there and controlling history. He's even overruling all the bad things that have taken place so that there would be good things that could come out of it, right, that would not have happened actually otherwise. And so in this life, I know you and I, we don't really understand it all. We don't really kind of fully comprehend how he does that or what that, you know, all kind of involves. But I know this, that ought to be encouraging and reassuring for us, for all of us that he's running things, he's controlling things from up there. Sometimes God looks like he is, he is totally present, and other times it looks like he is totally absent because of terrible things that are happening. But I know this, I know he is running things. And one day, as the Apostle Paul says, he says this in Philippians, the Apostle Paul says this, he is the one, at, he was the one at whose name every knee shall bow. Verses 10 and 11 in these opening verses of the book of Acts reveal that the ascension, it's only temporary. It's only something that is actually temporary because one day he's going to come back and God's space and our present space are going to come together in one final time. One final time. Acts 1.11 says this. It says, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And when that day happens, when that day happens or when that day comes, God's kingdom will be finally and fully realized. It will fully occur. And then the kingdom is already coming in in one sense because it's already happened in the sense through Jesus' death and resurrection. Where he's already actually been exalted as Israel's representative. But in another sense, it is yet to happen because we are still waiting for the entire world to be under God's rule and reign. So it is yet to happen. And we often talk about this phrase, we are living in that time between the already and the not yet. So we're in between these two points. So what does Jesus say? Jesus says that you and I, we have a job to do. He says this in verse 8. You will be my witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. We are to point other people to Jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he's inviting you and I to and why we need him, with him being king and lord of the universe. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father in the heavenly realms. We have a job to do. And that's why he has first said, don't go anywhere. 
wait. Wait for the promise of my Father. The Holy Spirit, and what? Next verse, and what? And you will receive what? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We need that same power, that same power that the first followers of Jesus had. We need that if we are going to be his witnesses. Think of this. Here, here's Jesus on earth. He is in one body. He is restricted by his one physical presence. So he's limited by his one physical presence in, in his body. But with the ascension, he is accessible everywhere through the Holy Spirit enlivening each of us followers. Jesus had to ascend so that the promised Holy Spirit could descend upon his disciples, upon us, upon his followers, upon each of us. He had to descend, ascend so that the Spirit could descend. Here, here's, a, here's a bit of a visual for you. Did you bring your cell phone with you? Anybody, you don't go home without, or you don't leave home without it. Anybody, if you got a cell phone, would you mind taking it out? Hopefully it's not too far. Back pocket. So if you access your cell phone, and on it, activate the flashlight, okay? Have you got it there? Those of you that haven't, how about stick your hand up with your flashlight, okay? And Dan, I think, look at that. Dan's going to, I think, hit the lights. And if you can hold it high and, and, I mean, take a look around, right? Take a look around. Jesus ascended. Jesus ascended so that the promised Holy Spirit could come and descend and live within each of us to be his witnesses. It's like you and I. It's like there are many Jesuses walking around. And we are shining the glory of his personal presence in each of our lives. The glory that is actually giving wings to our feet to go and be his witnesses throughout all of the nations. Jesus in his one body ascended so that there could be many bodies with each of us shining his light and his goodness around. Okay, you can save your battery. <laughs> you can't shut off being a light for Jesus, though, okay? I want to show you something. I know you've been dying to know what is this about, right? Like, Corinne couldn't leave these balls alone. You know, she was playing with them in the back room before service, you know. There's a hundred balls in this one container. And it's representing the entire population of Ottawa, including Gatineau area. There are 1.3 million people in Ottawa and Gatineau. 1.3 million people. There are 692 churches in Ottawa-Gatineau. 
And within those 692 churches, there are nearly 55,000 people who are involved or participating in a local church. 55,000 people are part of a church. 1.3 million people in Ottawa, Gatineau. Which means that I could take four of these balls a person missed church. Only 4% of the total population of Ottawa Gatineau is a part of a local church. I think you get the picture. We have a job to do. We are called to be his witnesses. Witnesses pointing others to Jesus and, and who he is and what he's about. And in one of the most often quoted verses in all of Scripture, Acts 1.8, which is going to, there, Dan's got it up there on the screen. What, what, is the, what is the most frequently used said word in this verse? You. Yeah, you. I mean, it's a very personal thing. It's an individual thing. Yes, it's also a corporate thing. Yes, it's also church as a whole. It's a corporate thing. But it's a very personal thing. And what's helpful for me sometimes is for me to take a verse like this and to personalize it. So I would say to myself, you, Grant, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Insert your name there. You, say to yourself, insert your name, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We are called to be his witnesses. And you and I need to depend upon God's supernatural strength and power in our lives so that you can go out and I can go out to be his witnesses and point people to Jesus and who he is, partnering with God to have more of up there coming down here on earth. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you, for <clears throat> we thank you for the gift of yourself. And that while you have accepted and received us just as we are, you have not left us as we are. You have gifted us with the presence of your very self through the Holy Spirit to come and rescue us from our human condition, at least for those of us who have come to you in faith, and you have blessed us with the Holy Spirit's power so that we can be a witness for you. We can do this with confidence and courage and, and even a want to so that others may come to know your love and forgiveness and goodness and to follow your ways. Thank you for the privilege of being a witness for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.